the Free Speaking Podcast with your hosts, Jerry Mintz and Joseph Nardone. Welcome back to the Relatively Speaking Podcast. We are recording on Friday, December 2nd. This is our first ever December podcast. Way to go, us. I am your co-host, Jared Mintz. Joining me today and every other day that we record this tremendous podcast is Joseph Nardone, who is just two days removed from looking extra fancy on a Facebook live chat wearing a nice white polo. Joe, how are you doing this morning? Oh, man, that Facebook live was a disaster. I was tired, not really prepared. But everybody got to see my big hands. You could ask anybody the best hands, the best, biggest hands in the world. You could ask anybody. The best, biggest hands. (laughs) Yeah. They're huge. They're huge. Everybody else's hands are sad in comparison. Lock them hands up. Are you really going to start off every show with this? Yeah, I think it's it's kind of become my shtick. It's like every other show. I think it's a Friday thing for you at this point that you do that that impression on. on it's Friday. a really bad one too. Like I don't even do his voice. I just say his isms. You know, yeah, what I mean? yeah. that's it. It's like talking like Borat in a regular voice. My wife. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the shirt is black. Not. Yeah. Good job. I like it. Let's just do that. Let's do impressions without actually doing. The and voice. see if people just pick them up. The lines. Yeah. Yeah. I'm Ron Burgundy. I like. I like Scotch. Um, all of our impressions. People just think we're drugs. Yeah, I, I don't know anything that's relevant in pop culture. So no, I was just going to speak for, like Yoda. And then, yeah, for going mid-2000s on all my references. Oh, we're the best. We are the best. Well, I'm glad to hear that. Uh, I actually thought your Facebook Live chat went really well. Uh, I enjoy watching you on, on my computer screen. So, nice job. If you guys haven't checked it out yet, it's not like hey, Joe Facebook has, uh, listeners, viewers. Well, now I have viewers, I guess. Ask me questions. It's very lonely when you, when you do them and nobody asks you questions. You're in like a sad box. It's weird. It's it, weird. It is. weird I feel like... Scramble. Yeah, it's weird watching you scramble for things to say. Oh, thanks. I thought you said I... they were horrible. Well, thought, here's the problem, right? So, like, I have notes, like, you know, all written out and ready. But, like, I feel weird having to turn... Because I have to turn to look at them because I don't have, like, a teleprompter or anything. And, uh, like, I hate looking away from the from the camera because I feel like I'm doing a disservice to the... Re, uh, viewer, even though the bigger the service is me going, um... <laughs> yeah, it's 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 kind of Marco Rubio drinking the water of you, but I enjoy it. I appreciate it. I I, I think you're great on camera, so if you guys... Plus I'm sexy. Seen, there's that too, especially the white polo. The white polo is a good look for you, man. You look really clean. I don't think I've ever seen you look so clean. Do you, like, shower a minute before you well, go on? Okay, so this is a true story with that Facebook Live. I did shower right before I went on, but not because, just because I felt like I had a shower. It wasn't like, I have to do a Facebook Live, let me shower. It was, I'm gross, I need to shower. And the white polo got rocked because it was laundry day, and I was on t-shirts. I don't believe you. I think you're putting more effort into this than you're letting on. Either that or, like, you're dumping your head in your kitchen sink or something, because your hair looks legitimately wet when you record. But It's just the gel. I digress, Joe. I don't have hair, so I don't know what that's like. So once again, I will step back. If you guys haven't seen Joe on Facebook Live yet, stay tuned. He's doing a great job with it. Just go on fanrexfacebook.com backslash fanrex or however you do it, and go to the video section, and there I am. There's like five of me. Five of them. I believe it's uh, facebook.com backslash sports. Let's confirm that, because we want to send people to the right place. That is accurate. Facebook.com backslash sports. Give us a like. Check out Joe's videos and stay tuned for more to come. Now that we're done plugging Joe, which wasn't even intentional. No. Do that. But I, I like to shout you out when you do good things. Let's let's switch back over and let's start talking about... Let's start our show. Let's, we let's have a really about, sad show when you think about it coming up. Yeah, we, we do. We have we got a lot of news this week. A lot of football news. Uh, some funny, some not so funny. We'll start with one that's clearly not funny and might have major implications on the rest of the NFL season, especially in the AFC, and that's Patriots tight end Rob Gronkowski going down with a ruptured disc. We saw him leave Sunday's game with the Jets very early with a back injury. Uh, reports were that he limped off the field, and they limped in the, the parking lot to the team bus or whatever, but that he should be okay. Uh, he didn't practice this week, but there really wasn't any fear that he was going to miss this weekend's game against the Rams. Until yesterday, it gets reported that that Gronk's injury might be worse than expected, and it turns out he actually has a ruptured disc. He's going to have surgery today and probably isn't going to be back at all this season. I mean, he's definitely out for the rest of the regular season. If the Patriots are still alive, you know, deep in the season, come playoff time, come Super Bowl time, you know, it's likely that he might be able to return, but 
Initial reports I saw were six to eight weeks could be worse than that. Joe, do you think that this injury and the news that Gronk's going to be out long-term hurts the Patriots' chances at uh, winning the AFC and possibly getting back to the Super Bowl? Yes, definitely. I do. I think, like, he could put up career resumes or whatever, but he's the best tight end I've ever seen play football. And uh, whenever he's out of the lineup, the Patriots aren't as good. Tom Brady doesn't look as special. And he's, oddly, their vertical threat as well. So you're you're bas- you're you're basically taking away who is arguably the most important player on their offense, even considering Tom Brady from that team. Because their their whole offense changes without him in it. Then they they literally become another version of the Kansas City Chiefs stink and dunking, which they do wow. anyway. But Gronk does have that vertical ability where he can go twenty yards on field, and Brady can just throw it up. And because Gronk is Frankenstein, he'll just like step on another human's head and grab a football. So I do think this causes um, issues. I mean, and uh, it seems like Brady's a little dinged up too, like with his knee. So he yeah, I I, yeah, th- yeah. I I think they're I think I don't want to say like they're they're going to like struggle, but I don't think this makes like I thought before the injury, Pages were clearly the best team in the AFC because they were prolific on offense and competent enough on defense. And then you get teams like the Raiders that are like really good on offense, and then they give up layups on defense. Or teams like Kansas City, who's very limited offense, even though they score, they're very limited offensively. Or Denver, who you know offensively is uh, so, Trevor Simeon. Yeah. Trevor Simeon, yeah. But um, so yeah, I think this hurts them. I don't know, man. Like because I feel like the second best team in the AFC is the Raiders, but they give up layup lines, man. Like they're like. They they're this their defense is the Steve Nash of the NFL, right? If we want to look at at these top two teams in the AFC, right? You're with me. You're in agreement with me. The Raiders are probably the second best team in the AFC, right? Or like, I think so. Yeah, yeah I think so. I, I think they've done enough to to deserve you know that 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 label as of right now. Listen, if it's not if it's not them, I mean, is it the Texans? Is it the Ravens? Well, it's is definitely it the not Chiefs? those. Then. It's somebody from the AFC West. That's what I feel like. Right, right. I, I I would think it's the Ravens, but again, you know, you talk about how good they are. Look at the Patriots. They have a net differential of 96 points. They're outscoring their opponents on the season by 96 points. Then you look at the Raiders, who are outscoring their opponents by 32 points. I mean, listen, their offense is great. They've scored 307 points on the season, which is the second most in the NFL. I'm sorry, it's the third most in the NFL. But at the same time, you're giving up 275 points on the year, which is one, two, three, four, five, six worths in the NFL. So... Sure, they could score, and granted, when you're playing at that pace and you know you could score, you're giving up points a little bit easier and a little bit more carelessly, but, you know, you'd like to see that defense be a little bit more firm before you say, now they're the favorite in the AFC with the Mm -hmm. Patriots being hurt. Um, At the same time, though, you know, I kind of have a hard time saying the Patriots aren't still the best team in the AFC because I do think they have enough weapons, and I do think that Tom Brady's really able to spread the wealth around, and I, I think it was Gronk's, like, first game back with Brady was a game that we saw Martellus Bennett catch three touchdowns. And that's not to say that Gronk's uh, production is replaceable or that Martellus Bennett's even close to as good as Gronk. I agree with what you said about Gronk being the best tight end that you've physically gotten to watch play. I mean, he's just a complete game changer. He's a cheat code. He's unfair. But again, I, I like Brady's ability to, to spread the ball. And I think getting Deion Lewis back as a weapon really helps. I, just, I, I do agree with the Deion. Deion Lewis is sneaky good. Yeah, he, he's really good. I just I think this offense is so multifaceted that it, it hurts not having a Gronk. Of course it hurts, just again, because of how great he is. But they have enough that they could be able to get by with him. I mean, essentially, it's like it's like if the Warriors were to lose Klay Thompson. It's like, could they still be... No, it's not, because they're off, they're off, their weapons on the outside aren't elite. It's in terms of it being a piece. Right, but, like, but piece. what you're losing with Gronk is you're, the defense is gaining a defender back. Because you you were playing a guy on Gronk with another one over the top of him. Now you're not doing that. Even Bennett's really good, but you're not doing that with Bennett. Right, and one of their strengths was being able to have both Bennett and Gronk at the field at the same time. And now you can't run those two tight ends. Who's, there, who's your other tight end, do you know? Is it still that no. guy from Tampa Bay or whatever? I'm not sure who, uh, who you're referring to. It's Danny I, I don't DeVito. Know. It's Danny DeVito. It's probably not Danny DeVito, but I, I, don't think it's, I don't think it's anybody of note. It's not Scott Chandler. That's for sure. Let's let's look at their. Is it Tyson Chandler? It, it's yeah, you're right. It's Danny DeVito and Tyson Chandler. They're new tight end. Chandler from Friends. <laughs> Chandler. Uh, and then all Cat- the friends I know. Chandler Parsons. 
Yeah. Uh, they have Marty Bennett and... Marty Bennett. I never heard anybody call Marty Bennett That's great. And Matt, Matt Lengel, who I don't know who that is. No, I mean, I, right, I, I don't know what they're going to do. Austin Safarian Jenkins, is that who you were thinking of? Went to the Jets. Uh, I don't think he's... I don't know if he's hurt or what he's done. Regardless, we're going off on an awful tangent. Side Jeremy Shockey. Yeah, I think the Patriots are going to be fine. The question, though, again, becomes, are they still favorites to win the AFC? Joe, well, what's your answer? Is this a yes or a no question? Well, I wish I had, like, two games to watch them play without Gronk, but I'm going to say they're still going to make it to the AFC Championship. Yeah, me then too. It's a, I, then it's like a toss. Again, you know, you, you just you look at everybody around them and, and their competition, and as of right now, I mean, Denver's not even a playoff team. They're the first team out, so... As of right now, you know, what you're looking at is, is the Raiders, who we agree are very good, the Chiefs, who are pretty good, the Dolphins, and the Ravens. And I just, I, none of those teams are really scaring me to beat a Gronkless Patriots team. Gronkless Patriots. Yeah, so we can agree to that. I mean, it's big news, but again, the Patriots are just so good offensively that I, I don't know that they skip a beat without Gronk. I, what I do have to say is, Brady did look a little less comfortable without Gronk out there last week. That that could have just been, you know, the Jets' pass rush getting on him and, and giving him a hard time, and him again having that bulky knee where he's not as comfortable. He's going to miss Gronk. I just I think that they'll be able to adjust without him. No, I think I think we'll know in short order what they're going to like. I think two games we'll be able to be like, okay, the Patriots are going to be fine or they're not. I think it's not going to take a huge sample size to see what Belichick does without Gronk on offense. Right, and they get to start against the Saints, uh, I'm sorry, not the Saints, the Rams, who have a good front line, but beyond that, not great. They got burned for 49 points against uh, the Saints last week, so it's going to be a good test to see see if the Patriots can bounce back quick. I'm sure they're going to rely on LeGarrette Blunt a bunch this weekend because the Rams have been getting shredded by opposing running backs lately, but um, yeah, it's going to be something to keep an eye on for sure. For sure. All right, Joe, <laughs> now that we discussed one bad thing, let's move on and do some that don't look good. We have music. Hit the music. It might not be your fault, but maybe it is. Yeah, I think something good. That don't look good. All right, so we're going to stay with the Patriots in a sense and talk about their matchup this week against the Los Angeles Rams. But not really talk about their matchup, more so talk about the Rams coach and how he's been preparing for that matchup, (laughs) which something really funny came out this week when Jeff Fisher was being asked about how he's preparing for for the Patriots. And uh, he was asked about the New England running backs, their trio of running backs, to which Fisher answers, they're all different. First, he complimented Garrett Blunt who he took credit for signing, but when he was an undrafted rookie with the Titans, yada, yada, yada. Then Fisher goes on and talks about Brandon and Danny. All right, <laughs> Brandon and Danny. I've been, impressed, I've been impressed with Brandon and what he's done out of the backfield. You've got to deal with him. So Brandon Bolden is who he's got to be talking about here. Brandon Bolden, I believe, has four carries on the season and hasn't touched the ball in a long time. Months. I want to say since like week, either week three or week four, Brandon Bolden hasn't seen a touch. So you've got to deal with him. He goes on, in addition to Danny, in addition to Danny, (laughs) last I checked, the Patriots do not have a running back named Danny, and the last running back named Danny that played for the Patriots, I want to say was Danny Woodhead, which was, I think, 2012 or 2013 he was with the Patriots. Danny's on the IR now for the Chargers. Right, Danny Woodhead's on the Chargers and hasn't played since week two. So I don't know what team Jeff Fisher is preparing for here. But the 2011 so you, Patriots. <laughs> you you made a really good point to me before we started recording about Jeff Fisher being rattled. You want you want to tell our, our listeners what what you're thinking about Jeff Fisher? Yeah, I have a theory. Um, so like I think everybody kind of knows the Eric Dicker, Eric Dickerson thing where um, Jeff Fisher denied him and his, uh, Dickerson and his friends passes to the sidelines. Because Dickerson was critical of Jeff Fisher. <clears throat> on a radio show or whatever. And then Dickerson went, you know, made the round and told everybody about it. And obviously everybody's on the side with Dickerson. Jeff Fisher is somehow still an NFL coach, despite going like seven to nine every year. But, um, so he's right. And then he back, he tried backtracking a little bit and, uh, very, not really like the Jeff Fisher backtrack where he said, Oh, you know, 
Eric's got to know. He has to like make a decision if he's media or if he's an ambassador of the team. Because if you're a part of the team, you can't be going criticizing us. And he tried to say that made the players feel uncomfortable. The players don't care about the coaches. So uh, I think he's rattled. So I think he goes into this to this uh, conference call regarding players. And like I don't think he literally thinks Danny Woodhead plays football for the Patriots. Still, I think he doesn't didn't remember the other running backs outside of Lee Blunt. And I think that's why he went first names and was just kind of hoping he was close enough. Yeah. He was just rattled. And the, the thing is, too, um, I don't know if, anybody, if anybody's seen I think ESPN aired it. Uh, Belichick's talking about the Rams, and he spent like seven minutes praising their punter. Like seven minutes like <laughs> making sweet, sweet love to the Los, An- Los Angeles Rams punter. And it was great. Like Bel- I never heard Belichick be so positive about anything in his life and this Rams punter he apparently loves. Like, I, feel like, I feel like if given the opportunity, Bill Belichick would trade a second rounder for the Rams punter. Probably would. He may, Who's maybe apparently good. A... The ESPN showed the stats. He's apparently very good. I mean, he has a lot of chances to punt. He plays for the Rams <laughs> and Jeff Fisher. Hey, for what it's worth, Jared Goff had a, had a decent week last week, or at least a decent first half. To, TBD if he'll do that again this week. The thing that just that makes this Jeff Fisher thing so bad is Jeff Fisher is constantly under fire because, like, he's just not a winning coach. I mean, the, the team hasn't been good since, since he's been there. People even give him credit for calling him Mr. 8-8. Eight eight. I mean, I don't even think the team's been that good since, since he's been there. I, I was looking at the stat, and I'm really sorry I don't have it in front of me, but I, I think I saw since he's taken over the Rams, they're like 23-37 and 37 or so, something bad. He's definitely like double-digit games under 500, and there's been talk all season about him getting another contract extension. A three-year, yeah. Well, right. he does a great job of, from like I don't know this, but this is what other people say, like people in the know that he does a great job of buddying up with the right people in organizations to buy himself time. And then he actually played this goth thing right. Because if he kept Case Keenum in, he could probably have been fired at the end of the year. But then he puts in goth now, and now it's like, well, we can't fire him because we don't know what goth is. So he at least gets one more year. Right. Yeah, he's thirty-one, forty-three, and one with the Rams. And listen, he's I, I ruining like, a great. He's ruined the prime of a great front seven. Yeah, yeah. Right? I mean, like like that, that that Rams front seven going back a couple years actually was really really just the front four, I guess you could say. Right. Was just ridiculous, and now we're like, well, one of the one of the guys one of the guys is off the team, right? Line, he's not on there anymore. No, he's not. But I mean, Aaron Donald and Robert Quinn are both. Oh, well, and they're both awesome. But like, you're wasting them. Like, how do you not be somewhat competent when you have yeah. like a like all these coaches? Jeff Fisher is one of those dudes that will tell you that the offensive and defensive line set the tones of football games and all that other stuff. And then he has has had one of the best defensive lines in all football, and he's squandered squandered. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, his best season with the Rams so far has been a 7-8 in one year. That's not great. Again, I, I don't like to do this thing where I talk about somebody do- not deserving the job or anything like that. Like, does he still have a mustache? Get, does have a cool mustache. Get get paid, feed your families, do all that uh, stuff. He's I, got paid. He's been head coach for like 20 years now, and he's still only like 40 years old somehow. Right. We're, we're just we're beyond the point of questioning what is it, how does this guy still have this reputation for being a fantastic coach? The last winning season he had was in 2008. Um, and it, it just it, it takes a while to rebuild a team. We get it, but we're looking at year one, two, three, four, five. This is year five with the Rams organization, and you don't see any kind of improvement. Uh, it just it's not great, and it looked bad not knowing the names of the guys he's going up against this week. Real Fire bad. Jeff Fisher. No, not coming out of me, but Joe, do you? Oh Are yeah, the, that's such a hot take. Fire Jeff Fisher. Who hasn't had a winning season in eight years? <laughs> it's not a hot take at all. Let, let's move on to, to something else that, that was a little bit more serious this week, and that was the NFL suspending Buffalo Bills offensive lineman Seantro Henderson 10 games for, for substance abuse. Uh, you know, we know the NFL has a, a hard policy against uh, marijuana and pot use, um, but, but Henderson's use was a little bit different. He was using it uh, medicinally because he has Crohn's disease, and he literally cannot take painkillers because he doesn't have intestines. He had them removed because of the disease he has. Still, the NFL suspended him for uh, for ten games for for substance abuse. Joe, why does this look bad to you? Um, listen, I totally get from the NFL standpoint where they're like, we can't make an exception here because then everybody's going to come to us and be like, hey, 
I have this. Why can't I use uh, medicinal marijuana? The thing is, Henderson literally has no intestines. Well, no, 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 I don't believe that's true. He had a section uh, of disease tissue. Okay, he literally doesn't have enough intestines to take pain, pain medication. He's had two operations on his intestines. And the rest of the players get to be all legally jacked up on Tylenol or whatever, all that stuff. All that crazy painkillers, they all get addicted. Like, not all of them, but a lot of them get addicted to them. They ruin their lives. That's okay. But this guy has a real-life disease in which he can't. He had to have surgeries, which prevents him from taking any kind of pain medicine. He's just looking for something to help ease the burden of every Sunday. And uh, you can't make an exception for the rule because you're afraid that one day somebody's going to go, I, too, have a lack of intestines. May I smoke medicinal marijuana? I don't know how they don't have a board where they like, I understand because I understand this would open up the floodgates for, I had severe concussions. My doctor says I can use medical medicinal marijuana. I don't see why they can't make a committee up or a board where they can review these things and go case by case. Yeah, I mean that would be the nuance. They're in the pain. And- they're in the pain business, man. Like, why wouldn't you right. want to help out the dude in pain? Right. That that was the point that I was just about to get to. You know, you're just you're in a field where where so many of your employees could probably benefit from from this. And I, I get it. They have a strict policy in place, and they, they can't break it for one guy. Cause if they do, they'll have to break it for a lot of other guys. But just looking around the country and seeing the way you know marijuana use has become a little bit more liberal, I, I just feel like it would be it would be forward thinking of the NFL to, to kind of rethink their stance on, on marijuana, especially when you think about painkillers and how harmful they can be to players and how they are addictive. And yeah, there, there's just there's too many cases here to to look at the NFL and and understand this decision and say it's the right move. I mean, wh- why even allow the guy to play in the NFL then if there's no way that he could treat his pain? It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. It feels unfair punishing him. Right, you're punishing him for a disease that's not his fault and he just wants help with his pain. He, he's, he's, it's not like he wants to smoke a blunt outside the stadium, you know what I mean, to play the game high. He just wants to ease his pain. I'm sure if there was another alternative for him, he would do it, but there isn't. So, right. I don't know, man. It's, it doesn't look good. I know why I get it from the NFL standpoint because they don't want to open. Like, this, is, it's, this circles back to, like, the uniform stuff where you can't let one guy wear a certain set of cleats because then everybody else will want to wear another kind of set of cleats, and then it just goes off the rails. But this is a dude's life and his well-being. And, like, very, like, I know the NFL wants to downplay the violence of the sport, even though that's partially what makes it super popular. But they don't want people thinking, like, hey, like, the guys who watch on Sunday leave the sport battered and broken. But, like, if you can help them, I think you should help them. And I don't think there's any, like, nobody's going, like, it's arbitrary, this rule, right? Like, nobody actually cares if these guys smoke weed, medicinally or for recreation reasons, right? Nobody actually cares. They only care when a dude gets popped and it gets suspended. Then it's like... Well, it's in the rules, right or wrong. Should not, nobody actually cares that they're smoking weed. So if, right. you, if you're the NFL and you make it legal, nobody's going to care. Like, really, no, like you might get that like two-week run of 80-year-old white guy giving hot takes, going, real men don't need this. What about the blacksmith working 80 hours a week? Blah, blah, blah. Like, all this other nonsense that makes no sense to do with anything that we always talk about. That'll last two weeks, and then we just move on because, I mean, it's not that big of a deal. It's a slippery slope, again, because, you know, I, I, I'm You're not a trying slippery to play, slope. Thanks. I'm not trying to play both sides of the fence here. You but are. Like, You're a fence. It, shut, the, shut the hell up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's illegal in so many states. So, you know, I get that you can't just all of a sudden legalize weed in, in the NFL. Legalize like, it in the states you could. Make every game be played in Denver. <laughs> I mean, I just, there has to be a different, a different way. I think the thing that makes it look bad is just the hypocrisy of, you know, painkillers, which are also, you know... Which I, are far I, more addicting and dangerous. Right, they, they are, but at the same time, like, you can get them over-the-counter in 50 states in America where you can't get pot over-the-counter in 50 states in America. So, like, I understand it legally to extents. I just think it's it's crazy how harsh they are and how literally, like, offending pot rules is the worst thing you could do in the NFL. I think that that's kind of just what makes this look so bad. I, got, yeah, is there, I don't know the backstory, but he got 10 games for this, which I, I assume means he had a previous incident. Correct. He was suspended the first four games of this season as well. For the same thing? Cor- correct. 
All right, well, this guy clearly needs the help with his pain. You'd think after the first time, the NFL would be like, hey, let's try to figure this out together. Right, right. Or, right. or, that, or maybe not the, the NFL, but his, like the, the Bills or his agent, which they might have, I don't know, reached out and be like, help us help him. You know what I mean? Like, yep. it doesn't have to be, I'm sure there, I'm not sure, but like, maybe there's alternatives to medicinal marijuana. But the weird thing about medicinal marijuana, it takes the high away, right? Like, you're not walking around, like, wanting bags of Cheetos. No, I think you still are. Oh, you are? Oh, well, yeah. Well, I better call my doctor. I mean, it's still, it's still, it's still pot. You know what I mean? Like, it, it has... Oh, I thought they removed stuff. something from it to make it, like, just, the, like, for the med- medical purposes of it. I, I don't believe so. I'm, no. not, I'm not certain. Well, I'm going to call my family doctor. Kenny? Yeah. Talk so to you in an hour. One way, one way to find out, but I, I'm not certain. E- either way, it just... I don't know how many more stories we could hear about guys, you know, losing their career. You ever don't... notice in the games, um, somebody brought this up, I can't remember who I wish I gave them the credit. Like, some of the players, you'll see, like, they have blood on their, their rear end. Yes. That's from shots they get before the game to help, because they can't move, and it's to right. oil them up, and the players say how painful that is, but it helps them get through a Sunday game. But that's right. okay. Right. Hey, don't it, smoke it, a ball. It stinks that, you know, this is a legal thing, and we're really talking about, you it's know, semantics. the legality. It's like booze was horrible during the Prohibition, apparently, but now it's okay. Right. It, but, again, this is more about legal than moral, and that that's what kind of stinks. And that well, that's just, what I'm saying. Like, because booze... It's always how the NFL goes. The NFL, it goes. Yeah, it's always how they go. All right. L- before we go into the no our... The no-foresight league. Right. Before we go into our NFL Week 13 oh. pick... We had uh, one more serious thing that we wanted to discuss, uh, and just to be clear, we're not really grouping this in with that don't look good. This isn't gimmicky at all. Uh, former NFL and USC running back Joe McKnight was killed during an apparent road rage altercation just outside New Orleans on Thursday afternoon. Joe McKnight was only 28 years old, a fourth-round pick of the New York Jets in the 2010 draft, and was former high school top high school prospect who went to USC was kind of expected to be the next Reggie Bush because he came, you know, just shortly after Reggie had left the program. Just a, just very tragic. I mean, it's, it's tragic if it's somebody that's not Joe McKnight. Just another road rage incident where some gun nut gets out and then shoots somebody for apparently no good reason. Uh, as a Jet fan, you know, I got to watch Joe McKnight for a few years, and I really appreciated his, his talent, especially in special teams. He ran back a couple of kickoffs for touchdowns. Clearly didn't have the pro career that, you know, people had expected him to, to have when he arrived at USC, but still a great talent, and this is still just very tragic. Joe, I know you're a big Joe McKnight fan. Too. Yeah, I was a big fan. Um, I'm, the Reggie Bush thing, it was kind of put unfair expectations on him at USC. He actually had a fine career at USC. Um, as a football player, um, I think the biggest testament to him uh, as a football player and as an athlete was the Jets, like, using him very literally all over the field um, because it got to the point where he clearly needed to be on the field and they just didn't know how. So, like, they didn't really play cornerback. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, and he was a running back. And I think he played pretty much everywhere possible. And it's, it's just, like you said, I think it was a good point that anytime a young person dies for whatever the reason, it's always tragic. We just happen to know who Joe McKnight is because he was a football player. Um, so, yeah, man, 2016 sucks. Yeah, he'd been out of the NFL for the last two years. Uh, I believe he was playing in the CFL this year. It just it's, it's, it's really sad. It's just really sad, sad, sad stuff. Um, all right, let, let's pick the show back up, Joe, and uh, let's move on to our favorite segment of the week, which is our weekly NFL picks against the spread through the first 12 weeks. <laughs> Drum roll. Joe, you're catching up to me. I, I had a losing week last week. You can stop the drum roll. Usually the drum roll is until the person starts speaking again. Why? Um, so I had a losing week. <laughs> so sorry. <laughs> I went two and three. Joe, you went three and two last week. So after 12, after 12 weeks, I am at 34 and 26. Joe's at 33 and 27. Moving on up, man. Good for Please you. Side. <laughs> All right, here we go, Joe. Let's get started. First Wait, we got a thing. Oh. <laughs> week 13 picks. NFL Week 13 picks. They won't let you smoke weed, but you can't blow the games. But you can inject them in your butt. <laughs> what? What are you right. injecting in their butt? I don't know. Anyway, so we got the Lions at the Saints. Saints, five and a half point favorites at home. 
Joe, why don't you go first in this one? Um, all right. So I saw the lion. I'm scared. Not the lions. I saw the lion. I'm scared. Are uh, you more afraid of the lion or a lion? A lion, obviously. That's hard to hit in question. I don't know. You said you were scared. Um, five and a half. That's a pretty big number. The Saints score a ton, though. But I'm going to go to the Detroit Lions mostly because they employ about 95 former Notre Dame players. <laughs> and that's the only reason I have. That's it. That, that and the, the Lions 5.5, which seems kind of high. Sounds good. I, I usually pick the Lions when we put them in games. I'm going to go with the Saints here. I have a lot of lot of juicy stuff. Again, most of, the stats, most of the stats that I share are provided by Rich Rebar in his weekly worksheet on Roto World. So shout out to Lord Reeves. So here's <laughs> some really interesting things that I saw. Saints have scored a touchdown on 37.3% of their drives at home. That's the highest rate in the league. Opponents have completed 74% of their passes against the Lions, which is also the highest mark in the in NFL history. Highest mark in NFL history through the first 11 games of the season. Combine that with the fact that Drew Brees leads the league in completion rate at 71.5%. Yeah, I just I, I like the Saints a lot here. I'm, I'm going to keep going. Brees leads the league in Drew red zone touchdown passes on the season. Okay, Drew Brees is good. You can stop. The Saints, the Saints lead, they, but listen, the Saints also lead the NFL in rushing and are third in the NFL in rushing yards per game over the last six weeks. Their offense is just truck, trucking. They are killing. They are chugging along. Lions have the worst defense in football for the most part. So I'm going with the Saints at home to, to cover that five and a half and then some. Fair enough, Batman. Here we go. Up next, Joe's boys, Houston Texans at the Green Bay Packers, who I guess are Joe's other team now. Packers are five and a half point favorites. I hate this, but I'm going to go with the Packers here. They allow the second most passing points per attempt in the league. That doesn't matter because Brock Osweiler stinks. He averages .286 passing points per attempt, which is last of all starting quarterbacks. Texans have two straight losses by more than a touchdown. I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen the third straight week with the Packers at home coming off of a win. So, yeah, I'm going with the Packers. Joe, who do you like? All right, listen. I want to bring up a subject. Remember, I've been fighting for the longest time that the Packers receivers stink. Yeah, here we go. Let's get it. All right. So do you know where I'm Tell going with? Tell me how with, bad they are. Do you, do you know where I'm going with this or no? Are you apologizing? No. I, right. I, I do have to I, I already apologize about the Kirk Cousins thing, which I was totally off base. Apparently, yards attempt through the air, not completion, just in, on average, he leads the league in most yards throughout. Um, but he doesn't throw the all ball. All right, I'm trying. But, however. Are you, are you, can I guess something? Are you going the route of the Packers actually have the worst running backs in football and not the worst wide no, receivers? No, I'm going to stay with my receivers. Because Aaron Ripkowski scored their first running back touchdown of the season last we, week. No, listen to me. Listen to me, human. I don't want to listen. Uh, so somebody, uh, again, uh, C.M. Fahey, Fahey, that's who okay. was discussing. Um, so, like, the Packers don't throw as many deep, deep balls as they used to, apparently. The numbers back it up. I don't have any probably. Um, the reason be- behind that, <laughs> what? That was very Trumpy of you, but keep going. Well, I'm, I'm, you can look it up. See? The numbers back it up. I don't have them in front of me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm just thinking about my gimmick. Seem uh, Fahey or whatever is his name. Um so the reason why they can't throw the ball on the field anymore is because the receivers can't get open. And they, that's why they're throwing all these really short, dick and dunks. They also don't trust uh, – what's the receiver you think is good that can't catch a football? Uh, Let's say Devontae Adams. Yeah, he's him. He's been a freaking stud. He's been their best wide receiver this season. That, well, yeah, Jordan, I don't know. He's just, been their best wide receiver. Are you watching them I'm, play? We still have to pull up their drops. I feel like they drop the ball. He drops the ball more than anybody in the world. Okay, so are you picking the Texans, Joe? Get to the point. No, I'm still picking the Packers. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to tell you that somebody else agrees with me. That was really that's really famous. <laughs> Is it Sion? I I've never yeah, Sion Fahey. Okay, I I thought it might be like a funny spelled Sean or something, but that no. Hey, you can follow me at Twitter at C I A N A F. I think that's him. He Sion A F as Sion as. No, that's not him at all. Sweet. Good I don't think so, because when I hit his uh, that website, it takes you to not the place you want to go. <laughs> Trust me. All right. Don't go to that to Twitter. Become, I might have been wrong. This doesn't need to become the Sion Fahey uh, podcast, but good, good stuff there, I suppose. All right, let's move on, Joe. Up next, we got the New York Giants going to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Steelers are five-and-a-half-point favorites. Joe, who do you like in this game? <sighs> Football. Um... <laughs> I'm going to go with, man, this is tough. 
5.5 at the Pittsburgh Steelers. I recently watched watched the movie Concussion, which takes as place, you can tell, Joe really preps for these questions. <laughs> which takes place, which takes place in Pittsburgh. Uh, I didn't see Concussion. Not very good. Listen, the weird thing about Concussion is if you go in thinking it's going to be about the NFL, you're wrong. It's about the doctor. Right. It's about yeah, him. Yeah, it doesn't look. It doesn't look like a football movie. It no, look like well, no, but I think people go and think like, oh, this movie's going to take the NFL down. And it's really just more about the doctor. That's disappointing. Uh, it's not a listen. It's not a horrible movie. Um, Will Smith was better off not playing it with an accent, though. That's it is distracting his accent. I've also heard that the NFL was really involved in that movie, so they didn't really get slammed too bad. No, they didn't. Like there was a couple moments and whatever. You don't even know how much of it was dramatized, dramatized, or not. All right, so. Eli Manning versus Ben Roethlisberger. They both came out at the draft at the same time, even though Philip Rivers is better. Um, wow. I'm kidding. Ben Roethlisberger is the best. Then Philip Rivers, then Eli. I agree. Uh, oh, you do good. Sorry, I like guys. Sorry, sorry, guys. Sorry, Eli. Liz, I don't think sorry. Eli is bad. But I'm going to go with Big Ben and the Steelers because they're at home. And I really have no other reason than that because they also throw the ball deep. Eli throws the ball deep. Eli like call, that, this is gonna be a fun game to play because they'll actually be turnovers and stuff. Because they're they're not afraid to throw the ball on. Yeah, I I hope that this is a fun game. So I'm I was really conflicted. Uh, the two stats that really stuck out to me in this one: Roethlisberger is throwing a touchdown once every sixteen point two pass attempts, which is fifth best in the league. On the other side, the Giants are allowing a passing touchdown once every forty five point seven pass attempts. That's best in the league. So we clearly have a good defense going up against a good offense, especially when it comes to the passing game. I'm really conflicted, so I'm really going against the points here, and I'm taking the Giants. I just think five and a half is a lot of points, so give me the Giants in this one. Fair up next, Joe, up next. You a, Joe, you get a chance to make good with your boy, Kirky. We got the Skins going to Arizona to take on the Cardinals, who are two and a half point favorites. I guess I go first because you went first last time. I'm going with the Redskins in this one. Washington's averaging 41, 43.1 yards per drive. That's the most in the league. Arizona's allowing... Point four eight four points per play over the past three weeks. That's 31st in the league. One thing that worries me for the Skins is Washington allows 5.2 yards per carry on the road. That is also the most in the league, so this could be a big David Johnson game. At the same time, I, ju- I just think the Skins are cruising for the most part. I think they came really close to beating Dallas in Dallas, and I don't think Arizona's good at all. So, uh, yeah, give me the Skins in this one. Joe, what do you think? Whoa. Um, Whoa, you. Man, I'm... I'm going to go with Washington as well. I feel like I'm going against my gut. Also against my pure, unadulterated hatred of Kirk Cousins. How could you hate a guy who looks like he belongs in Team America? I mean, he's just awesome. Because I, he's I like, like a tool. <laughs> like, I just don't like him. Like, like, he just comes off as a tool, man. That's fair. You changed. All right, last game. We're going to the Monday Night Football game where Andrew Luck, who still hasn't been cleared out of the concussion protocol, but all signs are pointing towards him playing. Andrew Luck in the Colts go to MetLife Stadium to take on the New York Jets, who, three-and-a-half-point home dogs. Joe, who do you like in this game? I like... No, nah, like, man, you'd, like, put together two teams that I always pick against. You realize that, right? Yeah, I do. That's why I did it. Can I pick a tie? No, um... Wait. You could pick a push. You could, Is you could it say that... Andrew Luck's playing this week? Yeah, I, I... Did you listen to my little thing just now? He no, I'm still been... trying to find Devontae Adams drops. <laughs> and I can't figure it out. He hasn't been cleared from the concussion protocol yet, uh, but it, it, all signs look like he's going to play. He's been practicing. I don't think he's gotten in a full practice. Like, oh, you know what? It doesn't don't... matter. The Jets stink. Ryan Patrick stink. Give me the Colts. Wow, Joe. Joe. Jaron. <laughs> Good one, man. Good one. I like that. All right, so I'm going with... The Jets are allowing 4.7 yards per play over their past three games. That's the second fewest in the league. Meanwhile, the Colts allow 38.1 yards per opponent's possession, which is the most in the league. Two signs pointing against the Colts. Doesn't take much for me to want to pick the Jets. I I don't know. I thought the Jets looked relatively decent offensively against the Patriots the other night when they played on Sunday. I I just feel like they're moving the ball a little bit better. Ryan Fitzpatrick wasn't awful against New England. I know New England's defense isn't good, but Indianapolis' defense is the worst. Literally the worst. Like, Detroit bad. They're, They're probably a bottom two defense in the NFL. I just think that this game at home could favor the Jets, uh, and them being three-and-a-half-point dogs. Give me, give me the Jets, man. All right, so just to review our five games this week, 
We got the Lions at the Saints. Saints are five and a half point favorites. I'm going with the Saints. Joe's going with the Lions. Got the Texans traveling to Green Bay. Packers five and a half point favorites. We are both going with the Packers. Giants at Steelers. Steelers are five and a half point favorites as well. I didn't mention it before, but I picked those three games because they were all five and a half point spreads. I'm going with the Giants. Joe is going with the Steelers. Up next, we got the Redskins going to Arizona to take on the Cardinals. Both of us are going with Washington. And the last game, we got the Colts at the Jets, Monday Night Football. Jared's got the Jets. Joseph has the Colts. Joseph's got the Colts. Sound good. All right. Let's move on. I can't find it. I'm glad that you tried. Let's move on and let's wrap up our show with some NBA and some AMAs. Joe, we don't have music. Sing. (laughs) So sing. Ask me anything. Did you know that when it snows, my (laughs) eyes become white? Is there a royalty version of uh, Kiss from a Rose? I'm, you know what? That's actually that, that, That'll be my goal this weekend. I will turn Kiss from the Rose into our AMA side. Make sure you look it up. Fi- find out if there is. All right, so up first. Let's be honest. The royalty-free part is kind of optional. <laughs> you tell me, man. You're the producer. I'm not getting in trouble for this stuff. So you, 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 well, you do what you got to do. <laughs> yeah, Mario. Mario yeah. Sarge. All right. Speaking of Mario Sarge, our next question, this isn't really speaking of Mario Sarge. I just know that the, I know this follower is a Sixers fan, so that's why I said it. Uh, at Dan Gazi, or not at Dan Gazi, but Dan Gazi, who's at Patriots underscore fan four, asked us, Embiid Simmons or Towns Wiggins? Joe, why don't you go first on this one so I can blow my nose? All right, I want to preface this, not preface it, I want to preface this by saying that before the season, if you listen to the podcast, I said one of my things I wanted to look out for was how good Andrew Wiggins would, this, Wiggins would be this year, and he's been great offensively. That said, I've taken Embiid Simmons, even though Simmons hasn't played a single second. I think Embiid is transcendent. I'm not trying to take away from Carl Anthony Towns. I think Towns and Wiggins, um, great offensively so far. It's not not that either team's in actually winning either, but they're not playing that solid defensively. And the unknown of Simmons also gives me some leeway to backtrack out of this later. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm kind of with you here. I mean, I know it sounds pretty difficult to take that stance, especially after Carl Anthony Towns gave my Knicks 47 and 18 like two nights ago. It's hard to not take that side. But you know me, I, I I love Ben Simmons. I think Ben Simmons has crazy upside. I mean, you're comparing this guy to LeBron James and Blake Griffin. What can go wrong? I just I, I think he's really good still, and I, I love Joel Embiid. Obviously, this is a Joel Embiid podcast. Um, it, this is a really tough question, and you know we kind of did it a couple weeks ago when we were asked about Embiid's or Towns. Embiid's, Embiid or Towns, Embiid's, Embiid or Towns. And Joe, you and I both kind of went Embiid, so I don't think anything's different with this one throwing in the Simmons Wiggins qualifier. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm going with the Sixers tandem. It's not a slam dunk for me, though, to be clear. Like, this is really, really close. These these guys are being compared for good reason because, you know, the, these two duos are thought to be, you know, the next two huge duos for the NBA past LeBron and the NBA past Kevin Durant's prime. Like, these are the four guys who feasibly will be running the league. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I'm going with the People are here. clearly sleeping on the Kristaps Brandon Jennings duo. Don't you do this to me. We're, we're going to talk mix in a second, so I'm glad that you got us started. Uh, before we do that, you know, I, I meant to throw this on the rundown, and I completely forgot. Oh, no. Joe, did you did you read the Sam Hinkie article this week? Yes, he's awesome. I, I didn't get around to reading it, but I, I heard, I think it was Levitard yesterday, I heard Levitard show talking about it. I got to tell you, a lot of the things they were talking about si- sounded kind of weird to me. Like, I, I know the point of the discussion they were having was to kind of differentiate mm-hmm. Hinkie and point out that he's just, like, this different dude, and he goes about everything completely differently. With that said, like, I don't need to hear that stuff to justify him tanking. Did did what you read, like, did, t- tell me a little bit about the article. Was it kind of, well, like, listen, it just, it? 
Well, it's weird because the way it comes off as is, I think I, I listened to the Dan Lebert segment yesterday as well. I think Dan made a good point in saying, like, you know, if you won, all these things that we are going to consider kooky, we'd say are just part of his his brilliance. You know what right. I mean? Um, I thought it, for because Hinky when he was was the actual GM, he was really private. I was I thought it was nice and say, yeah, he has some it's some weirder stuff. Like he has like thirty six blue suits because he figured. Right. It was a waste of time to waste mental energy on figuring out what to wear every day. Decision then, fatigue. Yeah. Right? Then, it's a way to cancel decision fatigue. Yeah. I thought that was really smart to hear. Um and I like I like and then he held up like a um a grain of sand and put it to the sky to like, give perspective or something. That uh, was the interesting that I heard. Like I don't think it's it really is. Because listen, I've been on this is a true story, and I do this more often than I probably should admit. Like so when I go on my deck at night I will use my thumb to block out the moon all the time, like as if I'm four years old. I don't see there's a, I don't think there's a huge difference there. Why do you do that though? Well, I because I just do it. Like I don't have like this underlying like deep thought process of look at how small the moon looks because of my thumb. You know what I mean? I don't do that. It's just I don't know. I think sometimes I think we all have weird tendencies. I think Kinky was just about a little more honest about his. Right, and I, yeah, think and we're, I think we're just going to double down on him failing to be like, "See, the guy's weird." Right. Yeah, I, I couldn't help but wonder if that was the point, you know, that that Lebetard was trying to make, or if that was one of the themes of the the article that was written about him. Like, yeah, this dude's just weird. I still stand behind his decisions for the most part. Like, yeah, I think the one thing he really messed up was drafting Okafer. I, I get it. Once you're so committed to best talent available like that that's just what you do I've, I've heard some people say that they thought he was really frazzled because he thought he was going to be able to get Russell or or Porzingis like he he just he wasn't expecting Russell to be off the board so once Russell was uh he kind of just went and, and took Ogafer. meanwhile he had you know Nerlens, Noel and Embiid and Sarge and all these big guys you're right but the thing was the the process didn't fail his you the, the talent he was picking was failing and it was really, Noel got hurt, um, Sarge wasn't coming over yet, the Okafor wasn't the guy he wanted, he just took best player available, Embiid. Uh, and Embiid was hurt. Like, right. the process, well, that, the process, like, I, I, th- it's very simple, right? So he did it for, like, what, four or five straight years, four years? Was it four straight three, years? Three, 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 only three. Okay, so for three years, so Embiid's going to be a stud if he stays healthy. I think everybody agrees with this, right? So imagine he got two other guys on a similar level. Like, imagine if those draft classes were good. And right, was, that's what I'm saying. If he doesn't take Okafer and right. he takes Moutier and if they he takes Dan, If he got D'Angelo Russell, and then he has Embiid, and then he had Sarge coming over, and then he had Noel, and then uh, Ben Simmons this year. Like, he might not have Ben Simmons because they might have been too confident at that point. But, like, it wasn't the process that failed. It was the evaluation of talent that failed. Or the selection of talent, I guess. Even that doesn't sit well with me, though, because we didn't get to see these guys, you know? I oh, just, no, you're totally right. Like, not, I, not still, I still think he should have had one more year. The only difference between this Sixers team and Clangelo's are going to get all this credit is Embiid's healthy, and they signed super mundane veteran dudes, so they just don't look as horrible as they did when they were purposely trying to lose. They're still horrible, right. and they're right. only going to get better because of Sam Hickey's guys. And yeah, they drafted Ben Simmons, but they wouldn't have Ben Simmons without Hinky because it was Hinky's plan to get Ben Simmons. Correct. Right. Again, Sam you know, we, for president. We've had this conversation so many times on the podcast that we don't really need to do it again. I'm sorry that we are. I just still feel like Sam Hinky should have been given more time. He's never going to get another chance. And if he does, so. he's not going to be able to do this. No, no, he won't. He won't. It, it'll be interesting to see a team that's got young players already, you know, and just needs to bring a guy in to, to put it you know, all together. You know, like, a team that could u- use a Sam Hickey, seriously, that needs, like, a complete culture shock is, like, the case. Yeah. Like, just blow that up. Be like, hey, this stinks. We stunk anyway. Give us five years. We'll figure this out through Sam Hickey's process. Yep. I, I don't disagree with you at all. All right. Speaking of organizations that stink and probably new to, need a new general manager, our next AMA question was... From Nick Zav, at Nick Zav, do you think the Knicks would be better off starting Jennings and moving D-Rose to the two with Lee as six-man, 
He also asked, and do you have an opinion on the narrative that throughout his career, the teams Rondo plays for have a better net rating when he's off the court? Joe, let's start with that first question. Do you think the Knicks would be better off starting Jennings and moving D-Rose to the two with Courtney Lee on the, as the first guy off the bench? What are the Knicks, 9-9? Uh, they are 9-9 after beating the Timberwolves the other right. night. I don't think it matters. I don't. I, I just don't. I don't think they're that good. I know Rose has had a pretty solid-ish season. No. Uh, I, don't think it, I don't think it matters. I think you just, it doesn't really matter. I think what you should really do is try to move pieces to continue building around Kristaps Porzingis. But that's not going to happen. So given their options, I don't think it matters at all. That that's fair and not totally inaccurate. Just to give a real answer to the question, like, like what's the win differential if we make this move up one, down one? Do you know what I mean? Like it's not that big of a move, right? I, I I'm not certain. I I think what they're currently doing. I I don't want to see Jennings and and Rose in the starting lineup together. I just seems think, really ball and hand heavy to that lineup. Jennings, what, Rose, Mello all the court at the same time. I actually just wrote a column this week about how Jennings is doing the best job of his career as a facilitator, so you can go check that out at fanrigsports.com. Brandon Jennings was having career highs in assist-to-turnover ratio as well as assist percentage, or I'm sorry, assist ratio, which really points out that a player is looking to get guys involved more than he's looking for his own shot. Uh, Up until the other day, Jennings was averaging six field goal attempts per game, which was tied for a career low for him. So he hasn't been all that ball and hand-heavy and he hasn't really been looking for his own shot. So I think that's kind of really what the question is here is, would this team be better off having Jennings in the starting lineup, really facilitating the offense and counting on Rose more just to be a scorer? More right, than but if he's facilitating the offense, is Rose going to let him? Doesn't Rose need want the ball in his hand? Yeah, the the lineups with those two in them ha- haven't been great so far. Uh, I get it. Like it's It's more exciting seeing them out there because, again, Rose is one of the more capable scorers on the team, I suppose. And Jennings is essentially the best facilitator out there. Jennings does a better job looking for Porzingis than Rose does. Feasibly, he does a better job looking for Mello also. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, you're sacrificing a lot on defense with Brandon Jennings and Derek Rose in your backcourt. And again, you have both those guys on the court at the same time. The only other point guard you really have on the roster is Sasha Vujicic. So I think at least in terms of, of self-preserverance, you kind of have to keep Brandon Jennings and Derek Rose separate. I mean, it doesn't hurt to play them together at times, but... This just isn't a roster that, that can really support a two-point guard starting lineup. It just it's They're not built that way. As good as, And they, you know what? They, they have decent talent on the perimeter, too. Justin Holiday's been a real surprise for them. Courtney Lee's a very good defender, probably the best defender of all their starters. I just, I don't think it's the move that they need to make. And I, I agree with your sentiment that, like, what does it change? Does it make them that much better? No, I don't really think that the upside of those two guys playing together does make the Knicks that much better. So... I think they should stick with what they have currently, unless they want to start Jennings over Rose. That, that's my opinion. I'm, I'm, no, I'm with you. I think that was really well put. I don't think they're going to start Jennings over Rose. Thank you, sir. Why don't you go ahead and answer that next question about Rajon Rondo and uh, whether or not teams are better when he's off the court. All right. So disqualifying his Celtics years, right, like with the big three, and he was the fourth guy, take that out of the equation. After that, correct. Teams are better with other than that on the floor. Yeah, I kind of can't. Not, really... I, I don't have like a deep thought on this. He's been bad for quite some time. I'm not going to fall into this trap of one game. All of a sudden, he has 12 assists, so that makes him great or whatever. No, I'm just not going to. He is good at making county stats work for him. Yeah, I mean that that's really well put, and I, I think it's the type of thing you know it's it's not even a narrative. It's it's just it's it's, fact. it's factual, right? It's it's factual at this point when you look at his his on offs, especially recently. Like I would agree with you. I think when he was on the Celtics, he really was a, a positive impact player. I mean, just I know th- this is tedious, but I'm going to read you his on offs. So Ooh. his rookie year with the Celtics, he was a plus eight point seven. The championship team, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. He was a plus 6.3. The year after that, a plus 5.1. The next year when they go to the finals, he's plus 2.4. The year after that, he's plus 7.4. This is still Boston. Now we're up to 2011-12 season. Rajon Rondo's a plus 5.6. Here we go. 2012-13, he's a negative 3.3. The 13-14 season, he's down to a negative (laughs) 6.5. That was the year he only played 30 games. 2014-15... First 22, t- first 22 games with the Celtics, he was a negative three. And this is where I think that this has kind of really, like, become more true since he's left Boston. Yeah, because those Boston teams at the end were bad. That wasn't necessarily his fault. 
Right, and then those final 46 games with the the Mavericks, who had the number one offense in the league until they trade for Rajon Rondo, and then <laughs> things go downhill for for them. He was a negative 6.5 when he was off the court. That was stunning. I think people don't realize how stunning that was, how good that offense was. They bring Rondo in, and it becomes bleh. Right, and then and then last season with the Kings, he was a negative 1.3 when when he was off the court. So that means the team was 1.3 points per 100 possessions better with him not playing. And that was the Kings, who were awful. And now this year, with the Bulls, who have been pretty good on court, so he has a plus 4.5 net rating. So the team's been decent with him on the court, but they've been better with him off the court. They're neg- they're 2.5 points better with him off the court. So it's just, it's not a narrative, you know, it's a fact. And I- I'm really sorry that I just wasted two minutes reading to you his on-offs. I'm sure it doesn't make for good radio. You should but just it, like, go to basketball reference. Here's my point. Right. It, it, it is, though. And, I mean, anybody who's been following closely enough knows that this is true. And, yeah, listen, it, it looks great that he's able to get triple doubles and that he's able to hunt down assists. But the Bulls have been better with him off the court this year. And they, they're actually a good team. Sure, he's finding ways to contribute. He's not, like, a, the worst player in the NBA. No, it's not that he carries zero value. He's just not an impact player. Right, but you, again, you, you just you can't look at the Bulls and look at their improvement and be like, well, yeah, it's because they got Rondo, and look, Rondo averages how many assists he's averaging. It's just, yeah, give me, show me, keep showing me he steals and assists while seeing how many times he gets blown by or how many times he's forcefully looking for assists. Right, or how awful he is at scoring the ball for himself or how many guys he misses or even the offensive rating with him on the court as opposed to with him off the court, which is always better. And it's the type of thing where if you're that good of a point guard, especially as a facilitator – your team should have a higher offensive rating when you are on the court. And that's just not the case with Rondo's team. It's been years since Rondo's assist numbers actually ring any kind of truth. You know what I mean? Like, he's not a facilitator. He is the oddest ball-in-hand heavy not being able to shoot point guard over the last, like, four or five seasons. Like, it's weird. He will dribble around for 18 seconds looking to make an assist. I agree with you, and I, I was a huge Rondo fan, a huge Celtics Rondo fan. So was I, I with him in Boston, I thought he was great. Like, legit great. I thought he was unique. I thought there was no player in the NBA like him. I thought he was impactful. All those things. And then the moment the big three disappeared, and then Boston, that last couple of years in Boston, and it wasn't really his fault, he started changing his style of play to, like, he knew, like, hey, I need to get counting stats so I could get paid. And then... He's never he, he's just injuries and the style of play has taken away his special uniqueness. Like he's not that athletic marvel anymore. He's not as quick, he's not as just athletic is the best way to put it. And then that style of play he had at Boston where he could get away with stuff because he was so athletic just doesn't work anymore. He's just there's worse point guards in the NBA, of course. He's just not a good one. So what Joe is saying is that Rajon Rondo has changed. He yes, perfectly. Put. You changed. I did right. change. I'm wearing sweatpants. <laughs> Joe, you wouldn't. That was the other thing you wanted to talk about. I think you wanted to talk about uh, clothing or lack of clothing when I asked you what. You oh wanted to yeah, yeah, in the rundown. Yeah, so yeah. Jared asked me yesterday what you want to talk about. Jared does. A, I do the music and all the other editing stuff, and Jared does the rundowns. And Jared's like, Jared's very serious, like. Here's what I have. What do you got? And I'm like, let's talk about the freedom that comes with running around naked. So, elaborate. Tell me uh, about I think I have never run around naked, ever. So you don't even know? No. I mean, like, now it's like in my house. Have I run from the bathroom to my bedroom naked? Sure. It's kind of free. Disgusting. I don't. What do you mean it's disgusting? When nobody's home, it's disgusting because talking about these things puts images in people's heads, and we don't need to. Visualize. Nobody knows what I look like. <laughs> Joe was wearing a white polo. Fan Rag Sports Facebook page. You go check it out. See what Joe looks like. Put on the polo. Joe naked. Gross or no gross? <laughs> All right, guys. We have run our course. Clearly. Oh, yes, we jumped the shot. We want to thank you guys so much for listening. We hope everybody has a great weekend. You know my name, and you can follow me on Twitter <laughs> at jmincehoops. Catch my basketball writing at What's Fan his mother-loving name? James. <laughs> How is that sign going? James. <laughs> I, I don't even know it, so... Uh, Snoop Doggy. Yeah, that, how would we do oh, that? We should make that into a theme song for you. Do it. Bow, wow, wow. Yeah, awesome. All right. Cool, cool, cool. <laughs> Sorry, plug your stuff. I apologize. Nah, I'm, I'm kind of done. Uh, you no, you didn't. Follow, plug, plug your stuff. Follow me at Jamin's Hoops. Stop <laughs> telling me what to plug. Uh, follow me at Jamin's Hoops. You can catch my basketball writing at fanragsports.com. 
make sure you're going to facebook.com backslash fanrag sports <laughs> so you can see Joe uh, dumping his head in the sink and then going on camera to talk about college basketball and lobsters and stuff. Joe, tell the good people where they could find you. Does my hair really look wet? Not I don't just have like hair, it's... so I don't know how to judge hair. It looks great. I'm uh, just you can find me on Twitters at <laughs> Joseph Perdon, N-A-R-D-O-N-E, VanRagSports.com for my writing. Yes, I do the Facebook Lives for the Facebook thing Jerry just plugged. And uh, my hair is not wet in the videos. It's hair product. You decide. Put it on the poll. Is Joe's hair wet? <laughs> Have a great weekend, guys. Skilly doop 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 doop. All around me are familiar websites, worn out clickbait, worn out hotcakes, bright and early for the daily link dumps, no one's clicking, no one's clicking, their pupils are filling up their pockets, but not for writers. Not for writers. Hide my head, I want to do a slideshow. No tomorrow. No tomorrow. And I find it kind of funny. I find it kind of sad. The internet in which I'm worthless is the best I've ever had. I find it hard to tell you. I find it too hot to take When people blog in circles It's a very, very Mad world Mad world